You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So we're, we're moving into our Easter series, and like this time of year is so much fun. Uh, and I love Easter. I like Easter better than Christmas. Raise your hand if you feel that way. Yeah, just yeah, I like that. Christmas is cool, right? But without Easter, the story of baby Jesus is just baby Jesus. Like he didn't, if he doesn't die on the cross and resurrect from the grave, then it's not really much of a story. Just a little Jewish boy born in a small town. But we believe that this Jesus was born and then he grew up and he became an adult. And he became an adult who became the king of the world, who was the king of the world before the world ever existed. And he died on a cross, rose from the grave and saved us from sin and death. And so Easter is a pretty big deal. And people are like open this time of year. Like you can invite someone to church who wouldn't normally go, but they'll be like, yeah, I'll go. I mean, it's Easter. You know, you have on Easter, it's packed. And people think they're showing up on Easter to make their mama happy. They're really showing up on Easter because the king of the world has wooed them into his presence. And so, man, something special happens. And we're doing this series, and the series is called What a Beautiful Name. And um, we're going to go through a bunch of names of Jesus over the next few weeks. And some will be like, uh, some will be like proper nouns, you know, some will be adjectives that kind of describe who Jesus is. But my hope is this, my, my hope is I have sort of some agendas for this. Um, I, I like to be clear on agendas because I don't want you to think this is a church where we kind of lure you in with, you know, Walmart, Nintendo, and then spring job, Jesus. Like all we have is Jesus, okay? We have nothing else to offer you other than Jesus. Like there's no tricks, there's no gimmicks, it's just Jesus. That's what we've got. And so our agenda is that you would come to know Jesus in a brand new way. Like that you would come to know him so well and you would love him so much that when we get to Good Friday, you actually hurt. Our agenda is that you will hurt on Good Friday. Our agenda is your pain. There's our next t-shirt. We hope this hurts. Welcome to Grace. We want Good Friday to hurt, though, because if there's not a little pain in the death, you can't truly experience the joy on that Sunday of the resurrection. Like, I I want you to know him, to know him, and to love him, and to cry when he dies, and to cry tears of joy when he resurrects. Like, that's what I want for you, and it's what I want for me. I want a brand new experience with Jesus this year. And so we're, we're going to go through the names, and like some of, we, and some of the names, we're not just going to do the warm, cuddly names. I think that's too easy. Like, because we, the warm, cuddly Jesus, yeah, there's that. But he has some other names that are just kind of almost scary. And I, I believe that, that a pain unites, but I think power attracts. And so I think Jesus is the fullness of both. He's the fullness of unity, and he's the fullness of attraction. So we're going to do the names that attract, and we're going to use the, the names that unite. And we are going to introduce ourselves, reintroduce ourselves to the Jesus Christ as God has revealed him through the pages of the New Testament. And if you've never been on this journey with us, I cannot wait. And I'm so glad you're here. And if you've done it before, then wake up, sleeper, because it's time for you to have a fresh outpouring of grace. We all can gain something from this. So that's the agenda. Uh, If you're into that, cool. If not, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, if you are, like, if, 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 if you say, oh, okay, that sounds good to me, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to commit. I think it's only three or four weeks between now and Easter. I'm going to ask you to commit to being here every week. Like, be here. Like, make this your top priority. Matter of fact, I wanna, I'm going to ask, here's, you know, so, again, this is not the bait and switch thing. Just give a little of your life. No, this, everything. 
for the next four weeks, completely order your life around the story of Jesus Christ and the Easter story. And I get it. I know there's T-ball, and I know there's, you know, foosball, Bobby Boucher, and I know there's all these other things, right? But for the next four weeks, just order your life around this gathering and this story, because I believe if we do that, we will experience something incredible. If one body of believers in this little place, if we will all collectively order our lives together around Jesus, I believe we'll see something we've never seen before. And so if you're willing to take that journey, I know there's, if you're willing to take it, Now's the time. I think it's going to be fun. So let's, let's start with a little summary of uh, what we learned from the Old Testament. Uh, if you, again, if you're new here, we just took a, a tour through Genesis together, and it was pretty cool. So let's kind of summarize what we learned. All right, so God created a world, and the world was good, right? And the world had everything you needed. And God decides that he was going to put into this world a perfect partner who's going to image him for the world. And so God creates man, he creates Adam, and Adam's job is to rule over the world in the image of God. And Adam and God are going to walk around together in the cool of the day, and it's going to be this amazing relationship. Uh, it's going to, you know, there's going to be bluebirds on their fingers, just butterflies, fly, everything. How long does that last? Not long. Adam fails, doesn't he? Adam chooses sin, and humanity chooses sin. And then so there's another perfect partner, Moses, and he ends up, you know, drunk and naked. And then there's Noah, and it doesn't go well for him. And it's just over and over and over. Actually, Noah ended up drunk and naked. Over and over and over, it fails, and they fail, and they fail. And there's like this thread that runs through the whole Old Testament, and the thread is human failure, that God provides and humans fail. And so, I mean, that's why we don't like to read the Old Testament, because it's hard. Because who wants to read, you know, 8,072 pages of human failure? And you're like, well, I read it. No, you didn't. You got to like Leviticus 3 and stopped <laughs> and then jumped around a little bit. You didn't read it. Nobody did. It's hard. It's hard to read through the whole thing because it's just a long thread of human failure. But running sort of like parallel to that thread and, and, and with it, and you have to look a little harder sometimes is another thread. And it's a thread of blessing and hope and promise. Matter of fact, you hear it in Genesis 22, 18, and God is talking to Abraham, and he says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so God says, Abraham, from your lineage, remember Abraham has the, the kids, and the kid, the kid has the, the 12 kids, and the 12 kids become the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, and it's through this, through this amazing nation, I'm going to bless the world. And you're like, okay, great, the story's about to turn around. And then you keep reading the story, and what you don't see is Israel really blessing the world. Like every time they show up at the party, something bad happens. Like you're not happy if Israel shows up at your party because you're like, oh boy, here comes a billion frogs or locusts or the punch just turned to blood or, you know, like all these bad things happen as God swallows up armies to protect what you don't see is the world experiencing great blessings of the nation of Israel. And so you're reading the story and you're like, when does this get better? No, 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 no. It's just page after page of this nation of Israel and pain and suffering and they're enslaved and all this craziness. Even when people tried to be pretty good, they still couldn't do it. There's a guy in the Bible named Job and Job has this conversation with God. It's Job 9.1 and it says, then Job replied, indeed, I know that this is true. But how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wished to dispute with him, they could not answer him one time out of a thousand. 
His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and come away unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowledge and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He's like, there's this God and and, and you're way over there and I'm way over here and I can never be innocent in front of you. And I can't get to you and I can't talk to you. And and when anyone tries to argue with you, you they're gone. You send plagues and you, and you open up, you know, you open up uh, rivers and people cross dry land. Like, I cannot relate to you. And I can't be innocent in front of you. Even though I've tried to follow the law, which Job tried, there's still a, a break between us. And so in this next verse, I think what Job does is he sums up the entire heart of the Old Testament. Listen, this is, this is good, guys. This is Job 9, 32. He is not a mere mortal like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. God, you're there and I'm here. And there's all this distance and there's sin between us and I can't get to you and I can't talk to you. If only there was someone to bring us together. Someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear. But as it stands now, I can't. It's the cry of all creation at this point. If only there was someone to mediate between me and God. If only there was someone to connect us. Someone to bridge the gap. Because Job realized what we will all at some point realize I have broken my life in so much that I can't possibly fix it. The world, and and I'm willing to bet, because I I know many of your stories, and you know my story, like, there should come a point in your life when you look up and go, my life is so broken, I can't do anything about this. And I don't know what to do. It's broken. I I don't know, I've tried, I've tried going to church, I tried, you know, I tried this, I tried, I I cannot get this right. I want to do right, but I still do wrong, and I want to think this, but I still think that, and I I just cannot do it. I cannot be the person I am supposed to be. I can't get it right, I can't do it. And so you realize that life is out of your control. And Job is having this moment. Over and over, we see this thread in the Old Testament of God addressing that. And he's saying, I hear you. I hear you, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to provide a way. I'm going to do what you cannot do. I'm going to fix what you can't fix. I'm going to restore what you can't restore. I am going to do it. And so you read and you read and you read. Genesis 3, I mean, Genesis 3, the very first thing, God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The minute, the minute sin comes into the world, God says, I'm going to destroy you. Evil, I'm going to destroy you. You're going to strike the heel of the offspring of the woman. But one day the offspring of the woman is going to crush your head. I'm going to win. I'm going to destroy sin. I'm going to make it right. And we read the story going, win. I don't see it. It is a very, very long unfolding story. Like, it's like Titanic. You're just like, just, just kill them all in this thing. I felt that way. It's just long, and you don't see it. 
And Isaiah, then this guy named Isaiah, he comes onto the scene. He's a prophet. And, and Israel is in ruins. They're captive. Uh, the Babylonians have taken over. There's all this horrible stuff going on. The Israelites have heard this promise of this one who's going to come for a thousand years. There, uh, there's only a small group of humans in the world who haven't given up on this Yahweh God. And this is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So there's going to come a day when someone is going to take all of our pain on themselves. Everything the prophet's been saying, everything the Old Testament, he is coming. He is coming. There is a fulfillment to the promise to Abraham. There is a fulfillment to the promise of Moses. There is a fulfillment to everything the prophets have said. He is coming. And then if some time goes by and there's a baby born. There's a baby born in a little town to a, to a girl, to a young teenage girl. And everyone in town's like, hey, girl, you're pregnant. Who, who's the daddy? And she's like, God. And they're like, it's the old God's the daddy thing. We've heard it. We've heard it before. God's the daddy. She's like, no, for real. And there's, there's this baby, and he's, he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he's born of the Virgin Mary. And he suffers under Pontius Pilate, and he's crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, he rises from the dead. And he ascends into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence, he comes to judge the quick and the dead. And this is the story, that this Jesus is this God that everything has been pointing to. And he dies, and he resurrects, and everything changes. And we've got to get this. I love the way Timothy says it in Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Y'all remember when Job said, I wish there was a mediator? There is a mediator. Jesus would succeed where Adam failed. Through the sin of one man, everything fell. And through the righteousness of one man, everything was restored. There is a mediator between us and God. There's a way that we can approach God. There's a way that we can, we can stand face to face with God. And I cannot stand the term covers our sins. As if Jesus just, you know, like he gets over you and covers your sins and says, oh, you just keep on being a, a sinner like a, a mama enabling her 50-year-old son to just keep sinning. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus doesn't cover sin. He eliminates it. He eradicates it. He removes it from you. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sin is removed through the mediation of what Jesus Christ has done. I love the way Paul says this in Romans 5. This is so good, guys. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but we're in church, so you'll be okay. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Abel to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command as Adam did. That's the pattern of the one to come. Or what he's saying, what the law has done, because God gives them the law. Remember, God gives them these commandments. And God says, follow these commandments and we're going to be cool. 
And does anyone follow the commandments well? No. And if you think you do, you're the scariest Christian in the room. No one. It's just, it's just we fail. And what the law does is, is points to our need for grace. What the law does is point for our need to a mediator. The law leads us to a point, it should, what the law does is lead you to a point where you actually realize that you are a sinner desperately in need of one to mediate between you and God. And so he said there was nothing but death from the time of Adam. But then something happens. Verse 15, but the gift, this gift, this Jesus Christ, this free gift, is not like the trespass. So this gift of Jesus is not like the sin of Adam. For if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment that followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Got to get this. The sin of Adam, the sin of humanity caused failure. But Jesus Christ didn't come just to erase that sin. He removes that sin from us, but he gives us something in return. He gives us his righteousness. That's why the shirts that say stuff like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just a sinner who cusses a lot or what stupid stuff like that, you know, I'm just a broken sinner. No, you're not. We got to quit saying we're broken sinners. We were broken sinners. We are now saints who have received the righteousness of Christ. That's different. That's, you can choose to keep living like a broken sinner, but you are making a choice because sin no longer has power over you. Those who have taken on the righteousness of Christ, we are set apart and different. We have been redeemed and transformed and saved because he paid a price we couldn't pay. I love how this ends in verse 17. For if by the trespasses of one man death reigned, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision and grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? It's so good to me. Here's what I want to say as we start this Easter series. This is still good news to me. It is still good news to me that God paid a price I couldn't pay. Even seeing old friends reminds me of the old me. And it is still good news to me. Because I know who I am apart from Jesus. And I know who I am apart from his grace. And I know what I will do, and I know where I will go, and I know who I will be apart from Jesus Christ, but I do not have to be apart from Jesus Christ. And that is still good news for me. And if you showed up today bored and entitled and thinking you deserve to be in church, I pray to God that your heart is softened today. Because this should be good news to us, that we are able to stand in the presence of God, not because of anything we have done, but because Jesus the Christ paid a price that we could never pay. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, guys, I don't do a lot of altar calls. And I know you know that because you email me and say you should do more altar calls. I don't do a lot of them, but I'm going to do one now. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is your only ticket to life. And I can promise you I know it because I've tried everything else. And so did half my friends in this room. We've tried everything else, and we're sitting in here on Sunday not to be popular and not to have the big church. We're sitting in here on Sunday because everything else didn't work for us until we found Jesus Christ. And if you have not received him, let's go. Let's go. This is not something you do later. It's not something you do when you're ready. It's not something you do when you're qualified because we are all woefully unqualified. But Christ paid the price for us. 
And if you are saved and you're here today, and you plan on just dragging through another Easter, then wake up, sleepers. Guys, we got like four weeks of open hearts. Four weeks of opportunity. We've added another service. There's no excuse. Let's take our shot. Let's take our shot. Not, not, not to make this place famous because I could honestly care less, but to make famous the name of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, invite them to East Union. It really doesn't bother me where you invite them. Invite them somewhere. The person you've been seeing at Sonic and you've thought a million times, man, I should talk to them. Now is the time. Take your shot. The person you work with, you're like, man, now's the time. Take your shot. Because the last thing any of us want to do is wait until it's too late. Now is the time. Take your shot. If you believe this story is true, then leave this place today looking like you believe this story is true. Worship in this place today like you believe this story is true. Live your life in the next few hours like you believe the Son of God, God himself, paid a price that you couldn't pay. And because of that, we have life. Live it. I do not want to muddle through the holiday. I want to change the world. Take a shot, guys. When the world sees you over the next four weeks, what will they see? Eeyore does not win souls. Thanks for noticing, Pooh. I'm just a broken sinner. Everybody probably doesn't like me anyway. Just take your shot. You're alive. Live like it. There's breath in my lungs and there's blood in my veins. Use it. Easter's coming. Let's take our shot. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, Thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.